0: Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, November 28th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things
1: going? Very good. Thank you, Graham.
0: So I want to wish all of our listeners, uh, you know, hope that everyone had a nice, happy and and healthy Thanksgiving. If you were celebrating, I know it's kind of a long weekend weekend in the u.s and people are just getting settled back in into <laughs> the to the you know to another work week and stuff but i hope to everyone just want to say that i hope everyone had a really nice time also i know alex you've been spending lots of time following the world cup so <laughs> i guess when this airs we'll know a little bit more about how things are going
1: or <laughs> well, how england beat america
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh Hopefully, don't jinx it You're <laughs> <fingers>
1: crossed.
0: <laughs> yeah all right excellent um The other thing is that uh, I wanted to, you know, last week we had a surprise release of of admissions decisions, right, from LBS. They were supposed to release this week. But tell me, yeah, give us the rundown on the calendar and just what's been going on and and what's predicted to be happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, London Business School was scheduled, or at least their deadline for releasing the decisions was December 1st. So the way they word that, yes, you can interpret it that they will actually release their decisions earlier. Right. So that's like the final deadline. Um, but so it's interesting. They released those decisions, or well, at least it looks like on Livewire they released um, several decisions on um, the prior Thursday, i.e., Thursday of of, of of or Wednesday, I should say, of of, yeah, of, of last week. week. So um, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's not a, a an indicator of a, a drop in applications, but it's it's an indicator of something we'll, we'll we'll find out but congratulations to those that were able to report their admissions decision um, to lBS last week
0: yeah congrats to all those folks and uh yeah we'll see what's what's to come here I mean it's just uh we're really I guess is it Chicago that's yeah, gonna yeah. be this week yeah, yeah. Chicago so things, things are starting to, to go. be yeah.
1: <laughs> um, this week, but maybe they also released last week, but I mean <laughs> we'll they see. could have done it Thursday or Friday because we're recording obviously on, on on well not obviously, but we 're recording on Thanksgiving day actually, so <laughs>
0: yes um,
1: um, but yeah, yeah, this upcoming week it's supposed to be Chicago, Stern has its um, deadline for its in- initial notification. Uh, <laughs> I never really understand what that means, so I kind of ignore them.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Um, a notification that you've been interviewed or accepted or maybe waitlisted.
1: Yeah, who knows, right? You've been
0: initialed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, The other thing, you know, we don't have a lot of news to get to, but I did want to mention one kind of thing that caught my eye, and it's not MBA related, but you'll see why. Um, I mentioned this to you before we came on air, is that a number of law schools have announced that they are leaving the U.S. News ranking, or at least that they will no longer be reporting the data that U.S. News asks them for. Uh, And so, and it's it's Harvard, Yale, Berkeley, Stanford, Columbia, and Georgetown. So these are all kind of top 15 law schools. And so I just wondered, you know, U.S. News has come out and said, well, we're still going to rank them based on publicly available information. But do you think that this could spill over into the MBA domain?
1: I mean, it's possible. I don't really see how U.S. News is going to effectively rank folks that are no longer reporting data to them. So um, that basically kills that ranking. Um, Maybe... I mean, who knows how it's going to affect our market. I think our market is a little bit different um, and, and mm. f- for a variety of different reasons. But um, if, if that did spill over into the NBA um, rankings, I would find it quite interesting because, again, our decision-wide data gives us real deep insight into um, the, the rankings themselves. And I think a better insight than, than any of these publicly available rankings. But, but there we go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the true pecking order becomes very clear when you see those decision wire entries and people are, you know, admitted to multiple schools and they're choosing one of them. We get to see all those head to head matchups over and over again. So, yeah, I agree. We'll see what happens. I think you're right, though. It's going to be hard for U.S. news. I mean, they can go on publicly available information, but sometimes there's quite, you know, quite a bit of a delay in that stuff being published by the schools. and. Yeah, we'll see. Um, They had a nice kind of inside line to all this data from the schools historically, and the schools have finally said enough. Um, So (laughs) we'll see how that plays out. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention, Alex, is over on the website, we did a couple more real humans pieces. Uh, This time we've got ESA uh, in Barcelona, Spain uh, and Georgetown. And it's kind of funny that we're doing ESA because I'm actually going to be on their campus next week going to the GMAC European conference, going to be giving a talk there. And it's going to be the first time that I get to set foot on ESA's campus. They are one of the preeminent MBA programs in in Europe. And so that should be fun. And we also connected with a bunch of Georgetown McDonough students as part of that Real Humans series. So check those out on the website if you're interested in those programs. Uh, As we've been doing, Alex, I've got a couple of employment reports that I wanted to kind of run by you. And it so happens that the first one is Georgetown. So a little bit of a Georgetown McDonough (laughs) theme this week, but their report came out and I'll give you the numbers and just be curious to hear what your take is. So 96% of their students had a job offer by the time they were three months post-graduation and 95% of that group accepted an offer. So great, great employment rate right there. Uh, the median salary was $139,000. That used to be last year, one hundred and twenty-six. So a bit of a bump there. Uh, in terms of the industry, Placements, consulting led the way with 29%, financial services 25%, technology 18%, nonprofit government 7%, and consumer products 7%. And you know, a lot of this stuff tracked similarly uh, to last year, but I do want to call attention to the fact that you know consulting was up a little bit from 26 to 29%. So a 3% gain in consulting. And on the financial services side, that actually came down a bit. It was thirty two percent last year and it was twenty five this year. Um, tech was pretty much flat and same with that government figure. It's funny you know that this is one of the few schools where we see that nonprofit government um, you know making the top five industries, which makes sense given McDonough's location in the d c area. Um, any thoughts though on these industry placements?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you say the the nonprofit number makes a lot of sense for for Georgetown, or at least government makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, um, For Georgetown, that 139K, that's impressive. But again, if you look at the different tiers, um, 139K sits very well within their tier, I, I, I imagine. If we're looking at, well, we'll look at Sloan in a minute, we'd expect, and I haven't seen Sloan's number, but that would be at around 160 or something like that, being mm-hmm. a higher tiered program. Um, And so on and so forth. But yeah, no, Georgetown doing very well.
0: Yeah, agreed. And then in terms of the regional kind of placements they sent 43% into the mid-atlantic, which is, you know, kind of DC Philly. They sent 26% into the Northeast Uh, They sent 11% out to the West Coast 8% South 7% Southwest 3% Midwest and 2% international and again just a couple of things to highlight there um, relatively fewer folks going into the northeast than last year. It was 30% last year, it's 26% this year. Not not a giant change, but um, whereas the south, they sent 8% versus 4% last year. So they'd kind of doubled their placements into the south. Everything else kind of held more, you know, more or less steady. They had a little fewer, only 2% international versus 4% last year, but that's kind of the regional stuff. Any surprises there or any comments you want to make on that?
1: They're probably the biggest feeder into the mid-Atlantic region, (laughs) I I imagine, in terms of percent of class. Because even though Wharton also sits in the mid-Atlantic region, Wharton sends a disproportionate number of folks up into the northeast
0: yeah interesting yeah so yeah. that that is a big strength for georgetown and they're you know they are fortunate in that they're in a great market dc big big market yeah. with you know there aren't like 10 big mba programs in that market i mean they really are the premier program in that market so exactly um now let's move on we've got sloan as well here and so mit published their report uh they had 97 percent of candidates with an offer three months out and man, you were pretty dead on, Alex. Their median salary was 165k, um, nice. and that's up. <laughs> that's up from 150 last year. Uh, signing bonus, which Georgetown didn't didn't publish that, or I didn't see it. But for MIT, the
1: sign. Hold on, I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> Go ahead. Th- thirty. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> I don't think I've seen a school that has a signing bonus that's not thirty this year. So yeah, yeah. thirty thousand dollar average signing bonus. Uh, in terms of the industry's consulting led the way with 31. percent that's up a tick from 28% last year. Technology came in second with 23%. That's down a tick. They used to have, I guess, last year it was 25%. So just a couple percentage points down there. Financial services, 23%. So that's you know, in, a, in a dead heat with technology, the same number, um, except that financial services is up a couple of percentage points from 21% last
1: year. Where does FinTech fit? Financial that's services in or technology? I think that's
0: in the, the financial services bucket. Yeah. yeah. Um, healthcare, 7% down from 10% last year and consumer products flat at 4%. So that's the industry stuff. Any thoughts there?
1: Sloan's spot on. 165K median salary. The num- all the other numbers, <laughs> very good. But again, it's it's very much in line with, with their peer schools.
0: Yeah. And I think the one thing I'm noticing is it, it is kind of interesting to see this little bit of a shift we've seen across some of the top schools where you know, technology is coming down ever so slightly. I think we're going to see more of that next year when these reports come out. Uh, and financial services is a little bit up. So I, I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. As far as the regional stuff for MIT, they sent 54% of their graduates into the Northeast. And that's, that's a big jump from just 40% last year. So mm. something went on where they sent more people into the Northeast. They sent 19% to the West. That was 28% last year. So a little bit of a drop in their West coast placements, 7% mid Atlantic, pretty much the same as last year. All these others are really similar to last year. So, uh, you know, Southwest, 6%, South, 5%, Midwest, 3%, an international 4%. That's the only one that is a little bit different. That's, um, was down from 9%. So yeah, I don't know what's going on. It seems like on some levels you could argue, well, wow, you know, people kind of stayed closer to home, both you know in the northeast when it comes to mit but also you know that international number is sort of halved right even though it's small to begin with but in any event so yeah something you know just people staying closer to campus it seems (laughs) yeah 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 so um we'll keep kind of reporting on these as they come out i know we've done a bunch of them over the last few weeks but without further ado alex unless you've got anything i think we can get into our candidates for this week
1: let's kick off
0: all right so this is wiretaps candidate number one so this is an MBA ApplyWire entry, Alex, that you selected. And it's for a candidate who wants to start school in the fall. Uh, they have got nine schools on the target list. And those schools are Columbia, Harvard, Michigan, MIT, Kellogg, NYU, Chicago, Wharton, and Yale. Uh, this person's current career is that they are a CPA. They own their own firm. So they're an accountant running an accounting firm. And they want to do something entrepreneurial post MBA. Their GRE score is a 324, and their GPA from undergraduate is a 3.86. They're located in New York, and they'd love to stay um, in New York. Um, They want to actually scale their existing firm to make it a lot bigger. Uh, So that's their kind of entrepreneurial aspiration. The one wrinkle here that I didn't mention is that they have 10 years of work experience. And, you know, they mentioned they've been practicing, uh, you know, as a CPA for like 10 years, Um, you know, they they first did trust and estate tax uh, kind of specialization work and then they did some larger public accounting um, type, you know, jobs and things. And so they they've, you know, really kind of lived and breathed everything to do with accounting for the last 10 years, which makes them a bit older. Um, than your average candidate. So, Alex, we'll, we'll kind of start there. What What do you make of this candidacy? It's a little bit unorthodox in that they've got a lot of work and they're an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting in that in that case, right? So, ten years of experience, but they're running their own business, and their business is remote, um, re, re, remote CPA firm, basically, and the business has, in their words, exploded in in terms of its growth. Um, so. Um, so, so from that perspective, I think it's quite interesting. So, this is a, an an active entrepreneur yeah. who's looking to go to business school, um, to then return and continue to grow and scale this this business. So, they they've obviously identified a market opportunity um, that that they've been able to scale quite quickly to. Um, but think, getting some you know some, some some business school experience will really help them. Um, get to the next level and so forth so their idea is to go to business school and stick someone else in the business to run it um, whilst they're in business school because that was one of the questions I asked them is like how do you manage the business whilst you're Mm -hmm. in a full-time MBA program which is the type of program that they want to pursue Um, so they've thought about that a little bit they also recognize the seasonality of the business as as a a CPA, obviously, they're very, very busy at a certain sort of tax time of the year mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, so, so, you know, there's, from that perspective, there's a lot of interesting elements to the story. Um, but the issues that they'll face, are: one, they're going to be a little bit older, so they're going to have to show that um, fit. Two, you know, their whole life revolves, I think, around this business. So we We'd want to know: Is is there anything more to this person other than um, growing this business and so on and so forth? Obviously, doing it very well, so I'm not dismissing what they've overcome to do all that. But I quite like to know if, if what if they've got any you know, other hobbies and interests, right? Because I want to really understand how is this person going to fully engage in the MBA experience um, and and so forth, um, and not just exploit the, the, the two years in, in terms of keeping their business going, mm-hmm. etc. which is why I asked them straight up who's running the business when they're in business school. So I think that, again, there's potential some real interest here, Graham, but there's a couple of little hurdles they definitely have to overcome as they're targeting, you know, M7 plus. So they're targeting the very top
0: yeah. I'm, I'm really of two minds on this. On the one hand, you know, I agree. Like three years ago, they started this company. They're going to clear more than a million dollars in revenue this coming year. I mean, they, they've grown a business. Um, it's been all consuming, as they point out. It sounds like they don't have a lot of outside <laughs> activities. And so there's a lot to respect there. On the other side of the coin, though, you know, I see an older applicant whose schools are going to say, well, is this person going to really throw themselves in headlong? Um, a candidate who's going to leave their business to come to business school, but still wants to kind of run that business when they get back. So th- there's a little bit of a hurdle there, uh, limited outside activities. Yeah, I just, it's a, it's an interesting conundrum. I guess if the, if the storyline had been, look, I've built this company, I now have a real taste for entrepreneurship and I have some ideas about something that I want to build that's a different company in the financial services domain that'll be fully online or, you know, some kind of interesting, um, but I need an MBA in order. I've, I've learned the hard way, you know, by starting and running a company that's doing well, that I still could benefit, you know, from going to business school and making my next entrepreneurial move. And what I'm going to do with the business is I'm going to, um, I'm going to sell it to another CPA. Who's going to, you know, take it off my hands and run it. And and I'm going to do, you know, move on and do my next thing. So that, that would be more palatable for me, but I still think, you know, the the GRE score doesn't jump off the page. It's decent. Uh, it's probably around average for some of the schools on their list, but it's below for others. Right. Um, you know, the GPA is fine, but it's 10 years ago. They did do a CPA, uh, sorry, a master's in accounting. And so it'd be good to know how that went. And yeah, it would be good to know if they have any kind of track record of outside activities, even from their school days, just to have a sense. It's like, what are they going to do in a program? But right. so yeah, so there's these kind of pros and cons with this candidacy that make me feel like, you know, I just don't know, um, what the outcome is going to be because I don't see a kind of safety school on this list. And, And I understand like they're, you know, they're running a business now it's making good money. You know, they might say, uh, you know, do I really need to go off to business school if it's not to go to a, very top program or something. But a school might say the same thing. Why do you need to come and get an MBA if you're just gonna be kind of continuing to run this business, you know? Right,
1: I mean, it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, it really boils down to why is this person targeting top programs? What What are they looking to get out of it? Is it the pure yeah. learning experience? Is it the networks? to sort of help grow their business through the networks. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about their desire to get a top MBA that makes sense? And I, I wonder about your concern and how they might mitigate that. So so what you're saying is, um, you know, they you can use their sort of experience to date as a great learning opportunity. And now they go to business school to, to then f- further hone their entrepreneurial skill set to then start a new opportunity, right? But, Mm -hmm. you know, who's to say that they couldn't take a similar narrative but apply it to their situation, i.e. go to business school, let someone else run the business for for a year or two, and then come back to the business because they've got one or two ideas to elevate that business more significantly. And they think they need business school to make that stepwise change. Right. And yeah, um, so, that's so totally possible. altering the narrative to fit your concern, mitigate your concern might be, uh, an approach to, to, to take yeah. in that regard.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Again, I, I think this person, you know, could find their way into, you know, one of these programs. I just, um, yeah, there's just some of these concerns they are going to have to address and, and just demonstrate, or, you know, like nine schools is a lot to be applying to in round two. And I'd be worried that, are they going to be able to show fit with all of them? Or should they narrow that list down a little bit to five or six and, and really, you know, work hard to show these schools that they've thought long and hard about what they want to do in these programs and how they're going to be involved and so on and so forth. So, right. yeah. But anyway, very interesting candidacy. And I, I'm glad you picked it because it's not something we see every day where someone's like a practicing CPA who's got their own, you know, firm. And I mean, it's a really it raises a lot of different issues that are, should be pretty fascinating to those, those tuning in in any kind of a similar position as an entrepreneur
1: yeah yeah and congratulations to them for getting this business to the scale they have
0: yeah definitely all right so i want to thank them for their posts let's move on though and talk about wiretaps candidate number two so this is another uh, apply wire entry that you picked alex and this person they indicate an intake year of 2024 so i guess they have a little bit of time they've got nine schools on the target list and they are cornell dartmouth duke uh, Indiana, Michigan, NYU Stern, Wharton, Darden, and Vanderbilt. This candidate, um, like our first candidate this week, is an older candidate. They've um, they've got eight years of experience and they've been in the Navy. Now, with that said, I think they may not be quite as old as our first um, entry for this week, and we'll get into that in a moment as to why, why I think that might be the case. Um, they'd love to pivot out of the military and into consulting. They have a GRE score of 324 and a GPA of 3.9. They've got eight years of work experience, and they're located in D.C. They'd love to land in Boston, New York, or D.C. after business school. And they indicate that their degree came from, I think it's University of Maryland. uh, I can't remember what the acronym is. It's UMGC, which is an online school. Um, It's a nonprofit, state-run institution, but they are worried a little bit about whether that's going to be looked down on, so I want to definitely get your take on that, Alex. And then they also... Indicate that you know, they initially went and got the degree because they thought they might commission as an officer in the Navy because they started out By enlisting in the Navy and that's why I think they might be younger, right? Because if they enlisted at age 18 or something and then got their kind of college degree on the fly Even though they have eight years of experience. They may only really be you know kind of um, Well, what would they be? They would be 26, right? So not that old at all Um, So anyway, I'm kind of curious what you make of this candidacy because it's unusual they have an online undergraduate degree they're an enlisted um, uh, officer in the Navy. Yeah, what what do you make of this? I mean, it's kind of a not something we see every day.
1: Yeah, we don't see this every day, and I think you're right. This is not uh, eight years post undergrad. I, I assume it's um, th- this candidate's sort of twenty six, twenty seven, eight years of naval experience, did an undergrad um, online concurrent with their um, naval experience, or that that would be my my take. So so the question is. Yeah, enlisted candidates definitely are different to, to um, um, officers or, or the folks that go through the more traditional channels um, into the Navy. Um, but that doesn't preclude, preclude them from top tier MBA programs either. And again, I, when I was at Wharton, I, uh, or at least one of the guys I keep in touch with post Wharton, he, he, he went to Wharton through the enlisted route. Um, so, so that was very good. Um, having an online degree, yeah, there could be a little bit of a stigma attached to that. But there's no doubt if you get a three nine GPA, um, no matter where your degree is, that's that's a good performance, right? It, it shows yeah. that you took you took the academic work seriously. You, you you and so on and so forth. So, I'm I'm not as uh, you know, particu- as concerned. Much like you said, actually, on your on your your uh, apply wire comment. Um, but also at the end of the day, there's not nothing you can really do about it. So if there is right. stigma attached to yeah. it, there's stigma attached to it. But you, you know, you've got to present your 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 profile as it is. Maybe in the optional essay, there's an opportunity to address why you, you uh, they took this particular route for their education mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So don't assume that AdCom knows um, how how you know an enlisted candidate does their degree and so on and so forth. So, you know, it only needs a paragraph, but at least um, take that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it will boil down to, you know, that naval experience that they've had, you know, their leadership and various other different experiences that they've had. That'll be really instrumental or, or, or impactful in terms of um, where where they fit, in terms of which schools to target. Um, the the goals for consulting that's very standard coming out of military you do your MBA your first uh, few years of sort of consulting afterwards but I'd really like to see what the long term vision is here um, and whether it relates to in some in some way their experience in the navy um, so oftentimes naval or or you know service folks coming out of the military. Will do consulting, and then they tend to target. Or, or I'm not saying a majority, but the the most popular route is post consulting will be in operations management, Yeah. Um, some sort of operations leadership role. Um, so whether that's the case for this candidate, um, GREs 324, like you said on the last candidate, it's a decent GRE score, but it's not going to blow someone away w- w- with a score like that. Um, but overall. Yeah, they've got. to they have to mitigate a, a couple of things. Yeah. Um. But they've got. They're applying next year, and and I, I I certainly don't think the the on the online undergrad knocks them out either.
0: Yeah. You know, what's interesting to me when we compare to the first candidate. Um. So the first candidate, you know, has started a company. You know, tra- traditional undergrad, decent GPA. Um. But the GRE is the same, three twenty four for both yeah. of these candidates. But in this instance, when I see the three twenty four, I say okay cool you know like they they went to an online you know they this online undergraduate degree which maybe people haven't heard of but they're actually you know doing okay when it comes to the standardized test that's meant to sort of be that benchmarking tool yeah. right so you can see that they're they're doing fine so i i'm not so worried about it i do agree it'd be nice to have more specificity around the goals and you know just what makes this person tick give it a little more color to the candidacy yeah. the other big difference though between these two candidates is that you know that 324 in this case is being used to apply to schools like Vanderbilt, Indiana, Michigan, uh, you know you've, there's also Wharton and Stern and Cornell and Dartmouth right. there's a mixed it's kind of a mixed group of schools they're not all in kind of the same top 15 or you know as you said M7 plus right for the first <laughs> candidate so it's a little different and i think that's why i feel more comfortable yeah. with their academic profile but i they're going to need to add some color to the goals and and really Left this out. I did want to mention they have had some overseas experience um, as part of their military uh, deployment and stuff. So that's kind of interesting. I'm hoping there are stories there that can really round this candidate out. But I, you know, I think they're in good shape, especially if they're not applying till you know round one next year or something. Yeah. Is there any
1: case that they need to or, or should consider retaking the GRE in, in as much as they're not applying till next season?
0: I mean, I guess if they felt like that was, you know, they just took it and you know didn't didn't prep a ton or something and they felt like yeah I could I could get a 330 yeah. on this test you know then sure that'll help with scholarship dollars it'll help to unlock maybe some of the higher you know ranking programs on their list and so it wouldn't hurt I think uh yeah we'd need to know from them what what they feel their have they hit their ceiling or not
1: you know Yeah but I do think given that they can look ahead a little bit if they think there's a 327 328 score mm-hmm. in in their locker um Sure the GRE will make a difference. And I I say that, again, in the context of our previous um, candidate, again, 324 is not not jumping off the page. Um, but right. again, they, they have a good GPA, they have a master's degree, they've got a CPA, they're running a good business, this, that and the other. I'm not as sort of focused on the GRE. Whereas with this candidate, uh, because they're a little bit queasy with their online degree and so on and so forth, um, you know, like you say, the GRE becomes a good sort of, um, yeah. um, sort of signal mechanism or whatever to validate maybe the the, the undergraduate record. So. The higher that GRE for this candidate, um, certainly the better.
0: Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so in any event, I want to thank that candidate for sharing, you know, their their post on ApplyWire. Obviously, thank them for their service as well. Uh, and wish them the best of luck. Hopefully they'll keep us posted as things evolve here, if they take the test again, or as they flesh out that kind of career plan. But anyway, very interesting um, case, just because we don't see a ton of enlisted yeah. office uh, enlisted military folks kind of applying, so very good stuff. Uh, Alex, we've got one more candidate, so let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So this is another apply wire entry. Uh, again, a candidate applying now to start this coming fall. And this candidate only has four schools on the target list, and those schools are Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, and MIT. They uh, are working at MBB, so either McKinsey, Bain, or BCG, and they are sponsored. What that means is that you know the firm's going to pay for them to go off and do the degree, and then they have to commit to coming back to working at that firm, usually for at least a few years. Um, so that's their situation. Um, they uh, you know have a 690 on the GMAT and they have a 3.47 GPA. I believe they went to undergrad in Canada. That's where they're currently located. And so it's probably worth, I don't think they gave us a ton of information on this, but I'm guessing that maybe their GPA is from a Canadian school. And we know sometimes it's hard to get like a 3.8 at a Canadian school. There's a little less grade inflation. Post MBA, they're thinking about kind of landing in the US. Uh, But again, with the, the company that's um, sending them off to business school. I guess that's one of the benefits of working at a McKinsey or something. They have offices in many different markets so they can um, place them wherever they want. Uh, beyond that, uh, they mentioned that they've taken the GMAT three times, okay, and that they actually took a Manhattan prep course and in, in an effort to try to boost the stats because they're concerned about the 690. They feel like it's kind of the the elephant in the room of their of their candidacy and so they're wondering you know what do we think about that they they're currently sort of focusing on the other components like the essays or you know having good extracurriculars at work and great references etc but they're just wondering like is the GMAC going to set them back and if like what what our thought is there so i'm going to turn it over to you alex what do you make of this candidate I think it's going to set them back. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're
1: probably right. I mean, the the reality is, uh, you know, Canadian candidate MBB sponsored Great Rex. All that stuff is fantastic. Yeah. Right. Excellent. So you're starting to talk about all right. This is Harvard, Stanford, Wharton type caliber. MBB sponsor Canadian. Yeah. Very, very good. GPA is not outstanding. Now, yeah, maybe there's less grade inflation in Canada and that class rank might still be um, very good, but a 347 GPA, um, at first blush, you'd be like, well, that's a little bit... a little bit lower than the the medium for the for the very top schools what was your
0: again, gpa alex when you
1: were in I, school <laughs> we that and i'm 100 years old no i'm so. just laughing because i you yeah. know
0: the 347 is actually great yeah. right but we're in this world where you know the schools have such high averages
1: it's nuts Yeah, the grade inflation is ridiculous <laughs> yeah i mean it really is right yeah yeah um so but again that might not have been in the case in their program so class ranking would be good to reveal um but this 690 g gmat which again Six ninety in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things is actually a very good score relative to everyone else taking the test, but relative to those targeting the very best schools, we know it's thirty points, forty points off the median. Yeah, they so so. What's the weak link here? It's going to be that um, GMAT. Now, they, I I don't think that heavily involved in extracurriculars outside of work, but sometimes that's the nature of the sort of the consulting lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so maybe um, um, that could be offset a little bit, but 690 on the GMAT is going to raise a red flag. They're testing better than 690. So if that's the case, then they should retake it and get that 720 or 730, but they have actually taken the test three times. Right, right. So um, and keep coming back at this 690. So, I, I mean, quite frankly, Graham, I feel awful for this candidate um, because if, you, if, if, if they didn't have to take the GMAT as part of the admissions process and you just looked at everything else, you'd be like, yeah, they're, they're definitely on the cusp of Harvard, Stanford and Wharton and maybe add in Sloan and, and, and that makes sense. But with that 690, I'm a little worried
0: yeah, um, that
1: um, they're, they're going to be things. So, so, the question to us is should I take it one more time, or should I focus my energies on the essays, or focus more of my energy on the essays, um, not, not, not just exclusively? And to me, that's a hard answer because I would, even though they've taken it three times, if they think that they can squeeze 20 or 30 points in, in one more test. It's worth taking the risk, yeah. it, in my mind it's absolutely worth taking the risk. So, um, yeah, I... How much you can improve the essays to elevate your profile versus how much 20 or 30 points on the GMAT would elevate the profile, in my mind for this candidate improving that GMAT. And it's the same old adage, what is the most important part of your candidacy? It happens to be the weakest element because that's the element that's going to drag you down a little bit. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, the thing for me is that if the school list were different, I might feel differently. Right. And so, one thing that I would ask them right away is Will MBB sponsor you if you go to any other M7 or top 15 schools? You know, like, is there an issue if this person goes off to, I don't know, uh, Yale or Tuck or NYU, or I mean, there are a lot of great schools out there. Yeah. And especially if you're returning to MBB afterwards, and you've got that guarantee, how important is it to go to Harvard or Stanford or something, right? So yeah. I I would want to ask them that question just because, you know, they can take the GMAT again, they've taken it three times, they've landed at 690 as their best effort so far. But you know, I, I saw so I, it's sort of like, to me that I'm a little worried about the school selection. It's like they're shopping in the, you know, luxury aisle, but they don't necessarily have the, have the wallet to do so in terms of, you know, the accounting stats here. So I'm, yeah. And I I think when you're sponsored, there's a lot of, you can actually, you're sort of going to business school on some levels to learn, you know, you're not just, you don't really need the degree to like pivot your career or do something, you know, you know, kind of dramatic. You're going back to your same employer. So right. yeah, I'm, I'm on the fence about this. I mean, I feel like, and I, I, you know, and I'm the first one, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that this person would not excel at any of these top programs. And I, I recognize the, the absurdity of the GMAT hurdle with, with the test scores being so high, the averages and stuff. So You know, I'd love to be at a place where the test is really just used to say, okay, can this person do the work? Yes or no. A 690 probably means they can do the work in the program. You know, it's the rest is kind of gravy. But it's still, that's not where we're, that's not the reality right now. So, yeah, I would ask them to expand the list of schools that they're targeting if they're not willing to boost that score.
1: If they added three programs to this list, what would they be, Graham?
0: Well, I guess I'd want to know a little more about, like, what... I mean, ideally I'd want to know more about like, what are they hoping to do in the long term? You know, if it's just, are they going to make partner at, you know, at McKinsey or Bain or wherever they're working and that's going to be their career. If that's the case, then, you know, I'd, I guess I'd want to know the geography. They talk about right. wanting to land in the U S but where, you know, like, I mean, obviously, you know, Kellogg's a great program, um, teaches, you know, excellent skills for consulting. I mean, that's, you know, kind of known for that. There's a school that might be worth adding into the list. It's yeah, it's tricky. I'd I'd kind of want to know where they wanna land. If they wanna land in California, you know, should they be adding a Berkeley or if they wanna be in the northeast, is it you know, is it Dartmouth? Um, I don't know. Those are all schools that come to mind. It's that kind of next wave of of programs for me. Yeah, Kellogg
1: and um, and Tuck seem seem obvious yeah um schools schools to me. Yep. But yeah, I mean it, it is it is difficult because it is this GMAT that's going to ultimately dictate where, where they end up. So if they, if they are able to retake it and they are able to boost it a little bit, that certainly puts Harvard, Stanford, Wharton um, back, back in play. Right. Um, but yeah. And widening their their pool, and not forgetting that Kellogg is known for being a great consulting pro program for consultants, right? So, right. And and top two, so so um, so 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 they wouldn't be that much of a step down. And and you know, depending where they want to build their networks, MBB they they've got a huge network that's MBB anyway, right? Whichever right. Uh, these consulting firms are in, so. I mean, I get it. You want to be in the best program you can get into, no doubt about it. But I mean, at the end of the day, that might be Kellogg and Kellogg's a great, a great place.
0: Yeah. So hopefully they take all this under consideration, good food for thought as they contemplate their next move. I want to thank them for submitting their, um, apply wire entry And, and Alex, great job as usual, picking out these candidates. I think we had some interesting discussions about sponsored candidates, entrepreneurs, older candidates, a lot of cool stuff this week. Uh, I guess we'll kind of stop there and we'll do it all over again in one week's time. Alex, we've got to figure this out. I'm going to be in Spain, but uh, we'll just do it from, I'll do it from the hotel room and at the GMAC conference in Spain, but we'll figure that out. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see you in one week's time. Yeah. As long as you don't want to do
1: it in Spanish, then you might. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Very good. Take care. Cheers.